right, hey guys, and welcome to the Three Drinks In podcast, episode number 271. I'm your host, Vince. Over there is your host, Phil. Hey. There he is. In this episode, we are talking about The Killer, directed by David Fincher on Netflix. But before we get into it, that all that, we want to ask you to please subscribe to the podcast on any of those streaming services, including Apple, Spotify, or wherever you listen. Make sure that you leave us a five-star rating and maybe even a review. You can follow us on X, Instagram, and apparently Threads, where we have many new followers, according to the algorithm. Uh, you can like us on Facebook, and you can email us at threedrinksinpodcast at gmail.com. And last of all, don't forget to, to, to check out our merchandise over at tpublic.com. Mm-hmm. So, I think I've been on Threads once. I signed up for it. I was like, okay, I'm, in, I'm on Threads now, and I'm like, this is like boring Twitter. You get boring Twitter or racist Twitter. Neither of which are appealing to me. And so I've 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 not gone back to Threads. But like, hey, welcome to Threads, everybody. Uh, yeah, I mean, if you want if you want craziness, then you go to Twitter. So oh. or whatever they're calling whatever they're calling it now. Oh, crazy is is is. is <laughs> Things would be sublime if it was just crazy. Mm. So, I uh, actually made a couple of cocktails tonight, and I really sat down there. I was, I'm, I'm kind of home alone tonight. My, 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 my wife is, is seeing a show in, in the city, and so I was like, ah, oh, geez, it's been, it's been one hell of a week. And then my mind flashed to that, that, that one meme from uh, Thirty Rock, where it's like. It's Wednesday, Lemon. It's Wednesday, Lemon. Because it's really, it's just Wednesday. I'm like, boy, boy, it's been one hell of a week here. It's Wednesday. Yeah. They're, uh, well, when you're so close to holidays, it's like you're just feeling it. Yeah. You know. Yeah, absolutely true. So, um, so is it killer or the killer? It's, it's not the killers. It's just killer. It's uh, the killer. The killer. Mm-hmm. Right. Also based on a graphic novel, so everyone's like comic book movies. I'm sick of them. <laughs> well, it doesn't even have to be a Marvel movie, and it's a comic book. <laughs> I didn't know that. Yeah, who's yeah. it by? Uh, I don't know actually. Some. I mean, I don't think it's you know super popular. It's popular enough, but I, I don't know enough to, to know the name. Yeah. So. Are you a big David Fincher fan? Uh, no, I've actually never seen any of his other movies. Really? Yeah, I never even saw Seven. Really? Because what year did Seven come out? Like 95, 96? Seven was the first R-rated film that I saw in the theaters. Right. So, so I'm, t- I'm a few years too young for that. 1995. Okay, so I'm 10. <laughs> and by the time I'm 11, I've had seven spoiled for me by everyone. Yeah, man. Everybody spoiled seven. That is yeah. not a film you can go into with any information whatsoever. <laughs> right. So I never felt the need to go see it because I was like, well, I know already what happens. And, you know, at the time, I'd have to go to Blockbuster. Like, <laughs> I wasn't going to do that. So I just never got around to seeing it. And then I didn't see any of the other ones either. It wasn't like the social network and stuff. Either. It wasn't like the social network, anything about that. 
we were living it at the time. Yeah. So I was like, I definitely don't want to watch a movie about something I'm currently living through. No, I, 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 you know, not to say he's not like a director. I just, yeah, I, I found the whole thing very strange about how they, you know, that they made this, this, the, you know, the social network very early on in Mark Zuckerberg's life, and um. I remember he was interviewed. He said, like, I kind of wish they waited till I was dead, <laughs> which is an odd thing to tell anybody. Like, I wish I wasn't alive for this. Um, which I actually, I enjoy that movie, like, but like movie qua movie. I think it bears, I'm sure, no resemblance at all to what actually transpired between all the people in that world. And I'm also like a decent Aaron Sorkin fan. In that, like, I don't mind it when everyone sounds the same when they talk. I can find I can find that kind of funny. No, it doesn't I, bother me. Yeah, like I totally get why people are really bothered by like, you know, why the guy delivering pizza sounds the same as the Harvard graduate. Like, it's an understandable complaint to have about writing styles. If all you're concerned about is dialogue and not you know like consistency your character or anything like that makes perfect sense but, yeah um, it's it's style which is what david fincher is really well known for yeah you know like i've seen clips of seven so i know it has a distinct style to it that's very different from most other films and like, otherwise it's, it's just a really horrible movie about a crazed psychopath you know yeah and like it's actually i mean I'm like looking at the rest of his films right now, and uh, where is it? Even they list like the producer credits, like before the director. Like, okay, we get he produced some films for Christ's sakes. So, like, I've th- I've seen Social Network, I've seen Seven, um, I've seen Fight Club, but I didn't really give Fight Club my all when I saw it. Oh, you know, I saw Fight Club. Okay, I forgot about yeah. that one. Um, he directed. That's a, a crazy movie too. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm on Chuck Palahniuk. Um, and there are some like sleepers in here that like, and a bunch of music videos. I want to also add, like "Bad Girl" by Madonna, Aerosmith. He did a thing for like the Big Ones album. Mm. Um, he did a Rolling Stone thing. Um, the Immaculate Collection had an album. George Michael's Freedom in 1990. Um, there's a you know, weird things like that, and then like the game starring Michael Douglas, which is a great movie that is really creepy, and that I haven't seen it for years. You know, um, yeah, like a lot of music videos. Zodiac was supposed to be really, really good. Never saw it, and then the girl with the dragon tattoo, which I felt overwhelmed by. You know, like I don't think I want to see this. He did Gone Girl, which I thought was a good movie, even though I didn't like the story I think we talked about Gone Girl years ago uh, did we? <laughs> yeah it was, it was a long time ago and so I, I recall you you saying that like the thing about the movie that was really about the story that was really stupid was that she's basically you know you know you know like a st- I mean, like, she's supernatural in her ability to control the narrative of that story. Yeah, she's like a horror movie monster. 
Yeah, it's you know, and none of like the film was not set up quite like that. It was it was meant to be gory and extreme, but like nothing about it was meant to be supernatural because you follow her the whole time, not the people who are um, her victims per se. But like the Ben Affleck character is like at the end of it, he's like living with this psychopath and has to like the whole time, and you assume like, well, he's gonna kill her eventually, right? You know, and um, nope. <laughs> yeah, it just ends, and so like this is not a. Like, who is this about? <laughs> you know, it's just weird. But, um... Yeah. So what did you think of this one? He has a deal with Netflix where he's making... He made... What did he make before this? Mank? Uh, Mank, starring, I believe, uh, Brian Cranston? Mm-hmm. Yeah, which I meant to see. Because I'm curious about that. Uh, he did Mindhunter as well. Um, Also for Netflix, I believe. Oh, yeah. My wife really liked that show. Yeah, it's a little creepy for me. I'm sure it was good. My wife likes but, all that stuff. Yeah. She'll listen sure. to every murder podcast there is. Oh, God. I, I find it bizarre. Um, I really enjoyed this movie. I felt that it had flaws to it, for sure. The fact that it was based on a comic book makes a lot of sense now. I can see... Sort of the art and the visuals being paramount in a lot of these things, but uh, I mean, it was, it's not it's not perfect, but like you know, as a Netflix movie, as an action Netflix movie, as an action Netflix movie based off of a comic book, you know, we're a long way from the Gray Man. You know, mm-hmm. I, I I kept thinking how like that was an absolutely just dreadful movie. And this was not. This was good. It was, you know, it was clever. It was, you know, it was calculated. And it did a thing that I really, you know, you know, we all saw adaptation, and Brian Krantz, uh, Brian Cox's great rant about um, uh, voiceover. We all thought that was really, really funny. I'm like, ah, oh, it's true. Like, whenever you use voiceover in a film, it's like cheating. Like, and then in this movie, it's nothing but voiceover. Like, I, I, I want to say there's like, I don't know, two pages of actual dialogue in the story. And like, that's really all it is. And yeah, he um, barely, he barely speaks. Oh, almost anyone barely speaks. Like, he has the scene in the lawyer's office. A couple, you know, a couple scenes in the hospital, like like one scene in the hospital, and the scene at the end, and the scene in 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 the restaurant. That's it. That makes up for maybe I don't know fourteen percent of the movie, and the rest of it's just him, and he's not saying anything different. He just kind of says the same thing over and over again, and I think that's what was really impressive about the writing of this for me was that it was mostly told visually, which I've come to appreciate more and more. And when they use voiceover, they're they're doing so, you know, not to give the audience information. Like, they do that a little bit in the beginning to, you know, give you, a, like, a sense of who he is. But after a while, when it's just re- repeating the same information over and over again or the same ideas, then it really becomes thematic. And you know you're 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 learning about him and his contradictions, and he doesn't break, like, 
you know, he's breaking the fourth wall. He, 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 it happens twice in the movie, and I've never seen an instance where like a character will break the fourth wall in voiceover only, and he, and he does it two times. Once in the middle of the film, and then once at the end. And I just th- felt that was very impressive, like that you could create a character that almost never talks, and you know you have to give so much information visually, but also like the way in which he, they recorded the dialogue, which is in his head, had to give you a lot of character information, and then match the character info with what's going on on the screen. Um, it was very impressive to me. I, re- I really enjoyed that. I mean, it was it passed the phone test, like hardcore. It definitely like I sat there and like I could have been on my phone the whole time. And nope, I was not. It was it was it was a lot of fun. Hmm. What'd you think? I thought it was fine. It, you know, because like since it's David Fincher and he's you know he's no hack, he does a good job with the cameras and the music and you know he gets a lot of out of his actors which is good um it reminded me a lot of breaking bad and um yes, better yes. call Saul because yeah. of all the process mm-hmm. um i was thinking the same thing too yeah you know yeah i was like okay like it's going to be one of these movies where we're just watching the process happen and I, you know, yeah, you're right. All the voiceover stuff worked fine because in the beginning, it's 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 a slow burn in the beginning where I was like, oh my god, is this what the movie's going to be like the whole time? And it starts to, you know, peel back the layers of complexity, and you start to see, oh, I, I see what they're doing here, and yada yada. But it it definitely was too long because there was a lot of process, yeah, and it was repetitive. And it wasn't always exactly necessary. Some parts of it were, but not all of it. You know, especially towards the end where I was like, oh my God, there's one more guy to go. And there's like 20 more minutes of this movie. Like I did check my watch. Like At that point, you're not questioning that the guy is obviously competent at what he's doing. <laughs> he's called the killer for a reason. And there weren't many more surprises left. So I was like, can we just get to this? But <laughs> aside from that, you're right. I, I didn't really look at my phone. Like I, I was watching it. Like wanted to see where it was going to go. Um, I thought Michael Fassbender did a really good job. He's a very good actor. He really you know, it's is. It's hard. It's hard to convey that stuff without talking. And he's trying to do it without emoting. But he does not. But he does. You're playing a character who's uh, emotionally hurt but he's trying to act like he's not. And so to, sh- to see that on his face where it looks like he's trying to keep it together, but he's not doing a good job is a hard thing to do because he's not a robot as much as he's pretending to be one. Yeah. So I gave yeah. him, I gave him a lot of credit for that. I was like, he's, he's doing a lot with his witchy face here. You know, <laughs> you yeah. do a lot with like a, a, a mouth twitch. Yeah, no, he is. Yeah. He really had a lot to do. And, I'm trying to think like this movie about that he's made that I've really enjoyed and like I enjoyed the Steve Jobs movie, but again we're you know back to Aaron Sorkin and and writing everyone the same. Um, I don't know he's always kind of floating around there. 
as like I don't know, like a mid tier kind of like I've never seen like a truly phenomenal performance come out of this guy. Like I'm looking over like he, he was in Band of Brothers apparently. Like <laughs> I mean everybody was in Band of Brothers. Like I don't know. Yeah, I mean all watched yeah. Like a lot of them were. Yeah. But like he was in three hundred when he was very young, apparently, I guess, and Inglorious Bastards, which I did not see because I don't like Tarantino. Um, mm. But the first thing that comes to mind is just when he plays Magneto. Yeah, he's he's been Magneto. He was the he was a he has a really big part in all those Alien films. The, um, the Prometheus movies. Prometheus, Covenant, all that stuff. Like yeah. he's like an android, and he he does a lot with that. Yeah, like um, he's a very he's a very solid like mid tier like a mid tier actor, but he's also the kind of actor who gets you to go see stuff. I mean, I've seen him because I teach it in school. He's been in uh, he was Macbeth in a movie version. That's true. Yeah, he did, do... and uh, he was very good in that. Was he? Yeah, well, it's hard to play Macbeth. Oh yeah, oh, yeah no. agreed. <laughs> like, yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> I I couldn't do it. Um, so. This is like it's funny. I actually didn't see this this Macbeth. I tend to see a lot of the Shakespeare movies that come out. I did see the one with we we we, we talked about it with uh, Denzel Washington. Yeah, that was a good. Uh, one. Yeah, well, we, actually, we both didn't. Well, you you didn't like it really at, at all. I liked it a little bit. I yeah, I mean, it wasn't my favorite version of that. Yeah, I have some friends that like really hated it. They you know like some yeah. real enthusiasts who were not fans. Hmm. Um, but I you know I'm actually in the process of um, prepping to direct Romeo and Juliet uh, up where I live, and. Um, you know, I'm already thinking about like, well, if this goes well, I wonder what's the next one I might do. I'm like, Macbeth will be fun. I like to, I, I like to do Macbeth. It's again, it's fast. People die really quickly. Like you, you know, I, I would never want to do Hamlet, not in a million years. And uh, you want to do, you know, quick, quick, you know, tragedies that where where you know people get killed a lot. And mm. that's Macbeth, to say the least. Yeah, but um. Yeah, I should check this one out at some point. Yeah, but so this yeah. was uh, he, he was good in this, and the the process was everything to the movie. I just thought it was a little long that way, you know. Yeah, you didn't feel that. <laughs> I mean, at times, yeah, I would say like there was there were, there were definitely times that like I was like. Uh, like in the beginning, like I said, like it's it seemed like it was dragging a little bit here and there, um, and you know it also did this thing that I think is almost always a mistake in movies where they give you a title card, yeah, and they go like this is part one, this is part two, like mm, don't do that. You yeah, don't need I don't know to what the do point that. of that is like I know what's I know what's going on. I know that's what they're doing. They felt they yeah. need to do that anyway. Yeah, no, I, I, I don't get it. I, I remember I, I worked on a play. I'm sure I've told this story before, but like it was maybe God, it was twenty years ago now, um, and 
you know, it was an off-Broadway play. You know, they, they, they rented a theater, not quite in the village, but like, you know, it was a tiny little theater. And the play itself was long. It was like knocking on three hours worth of, you know, worth of time. And um wasn't great either, but it was it was okay. And the the director, for reasons passing understanding, put on the stage an easel that said like scene one. And then they were doing this very, you know, you know, very presentational style. And so the action would happen and then the actor would talk to the audience and then they would come over to the easel and pull over this giant piece of paper and it'd be like scene two and then you go on and that's that's fine if there are like three scenes there were 29 so transgressive of them <laughs> and like by by scene 19 everyone's like what are we doing mm. i don't recall a time where i wasn't sitting here like it just it becomes all that you think about is that number and it just goes up and up and you think this is never going to end and it was it was an unbelievably huge mistake <laughs> as a director like this to draw attention to the length of time that you, that you're sitting in a place you know because it was just it wasn't that entrancing a thing that like no one would notice the hell that like the giant the clock on the wall it's all that was well, right, and you start to notice that. Yeah. And, like, it, it wasn't distracting like that here. It was just that we knew he was going up the ladder of people he was trying to murder, being a hitman like that. So I was like, you don't have to give us this. We know what he's doing. Because the plot isn't all that complicated. There's not, like, a million different people. There's nobody coming after him. We're just watching him go up the list, you know. Like, yeah. I kill my handlers, I kill the guys he sent after them, I kill the person who hired them, I go home. So yeah. I was like, yeah, you don't really need these title cards. No, they're not yeah, they're not necessary at all. I mean, like Yeah, I don't even think you needed them like like for context, you know. I think that's pretty self explanatory. Like what's going on? Like like the guy on the voice, like the guy uh, on the phone, so like you know his voice, he's very distinct. Chris, you know uh, uh, Charles Charles Parnell, um, and you know they're all hunting the same people. You know, one guy makes reference, to, you know, to to the Q-tip lady. He then makes reference to the Q-tip lady. Like I, I kind of wonder if the title cards were like a studio thing or like an afterthought. Like it was written into the script pretty clearly. Like this is who these guys are. Yeah, I mean that that's the benefit of having a guy like David Fincher do it, and that he's good at giving you visual information without having to explain things. So, like the voiceover, you know, we joke about that scene in adaptation because people use voiceover to lazily explain things they don't know how to show otherwise. But that's not what's happening here in those voiceovers. It's right. it's almost like it's dialogue. So we're watching. Like at first, it starts off. And there's tons of voiceover. He's overly explaining everything and what he's doing. But eventually, as the time goes through, the voiceover of what he's saying does not match the actions of what he's doing. So the voiceover becomes like, oh, I see. It's actually, it. there's no other way to get that information to me in that 
his actions and his feelings do not match. Therefore, what he's doing is there's subtext to what his actions that his right. voiceover is trying to hide. Right. Instead of being like, and now I went to go murder these other two people who helped beat up my girlfriend. It's like, it's not doing that. So that's what makes it effective here. Yeah. You know. There's really there's, there, there are a few other ways for that to be effective. Like like you, like you know if you're not yeah. going to have the like the like the dialogue be sort of like you know what's the word I'm looking for unreliable you know or juxtaposed to what you're seeing then like yeah it's you know if it's if it's if it's just telling you the obvious then like I don't need you to tell me I'm looking at it right like I guess, <laughs> that's I why guess. we took a photograph of this like. Yeah, film is a visual medium. Yeah. <laughs> I don't need you to explain it to me. Um, I found the uh, strange humor to be a little off-putting as well. Okay, and because there's I, which, which part was funny? I, 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 I might have missed that part. Well, that's the thing. Like, there's some voiceovers where he makes mention of things, and it's like supposed to be funny. But there's, they always feel so incongru incongruous. Like when he's stalking the billionaire at the end, and he's walking by, and the billionaire has his bodyguard in the car, and the guy's just like looking at his phone. He's not paying any attention, and he goes, "Oh, this guy obviously isn't Mossad. He's not in Mensa either, because he just walks right past him and goes right into the garage." And I was like, "Oh, uh -huh. but all of those jokes felt so out of place." Yeah, you know? that's true. Or the part where he's beating up that guy in the house and he like he reaches up into the drawer to grab something and he like he's looking for a knife, obviously, and he pulls out a cheese grater instead and he kind of rolls his eyes like, Oh god, a cheese grater, and he just sort of throws it. And it's it's a funny gag, but we just saw them beat each other up for four minutes straight. So I was like, <laughs> What you know, what this is not the kind of fight scene that needs a joke right here, but <laughs> Yeah, it it was. I mean, it was such a visceral fight. I was like, you know, that's this is not a moment for levity. But there are a few of them. That's why it, when they, yeah. they did pop up, I was like, oh, what's that for? <laughs> I mean, and I I think that's the it's the risk you run is is like you're gonna get someone to go like we we needed like <sighs> even like half of that to sort of like get through this. Otherwise, it's simply just too intense. Well, that's why it needed to be shorter. I th I think. Yeah, I mean, how, how yeah. long was it in total? It was two it was hours. two hours at least. But I mean, how many scenes of him sitting outside doing a stakeout do you need? You could do one, and then you could shorten the other ones where you could just show him falling asleep, being tired. One minute's morning, the next time it's nighttime. Like there's a lot of scenes where he's just sitting in the car or he's just driving around in the car. And I understand that you're trying to show me that he's it's not an exciting life. But then I don't also want to be bored. <laughs> so Yeah, no, you, you do run that risk of of like, here's a boring thing. Look how boring my thing is. Like, okay. Yeah. Do Boy, you want to experience the boredom. <laughs> yeah, you want to experience the boredom with me? No, not really. No, not <laughs> um, even a bit. And it has a really great action scene, and one of them is fine. You don't need more than that. But like, oh man, there were definitely scenes where I was like, "Can we just get to this?" 
Well, they don't really have more than one action scene. Like, I actually appreciated that a lot. Like, between the, you know, the 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 four, is it four? Yeah, I guess one of the three, the three big people he's trying to track down. You know, the lawyer, right. the expert, the, and the client, you know, and the, uh, and the brute. Mm. Um, like, of the four of them, like, he deals with all of them very differently. And I, I did appreciate that. Like, they all got a different kind of, of end. And uh, I did feel bad for that lady, <laughs> the, the secretary. Like, that was like, oh, Jesus. Yeah, that's yeah. not so good. The cabbie yeah. didn't have much to do with it either. The, yeah, well, the, the cabbie, too, for sure, was just like, I don't know. I was just driving around like, he, he didn't really need to kill the cabbie. I felt bad about the cabbie. But, um, and like the poor dominatrix who gets it like in the hip, you know, like that was, wow. You know, and I, I, I do like the humanness of this movie. Like it's, it's the, it's the whole point, you know, but also like it, it begins like that. It doesn't end like that, you know, like it begins with a giant mistake. And not a lot of these movies do that. It's it's not quite brave, but like you know, it's um, it's a good way to start a story. You know, you, you you spend five minutes setting up like this ridiculous thing where he's doing like fingertip push-ups and sleeping in a you know in an abandoned WeWork with you know, with a space heater, all to kill some guy kind of a thing. And like we spend like. 15 20 minutes and then he screws it up like right out of the gate where we, we have stumbled mm-hmm. and that's uh that's not an easy thing to do like that's like you know and again that's the source it's the source material and not <laughs> sorry guys <laughs> right. we we record this at night and we all work full-time jobs um you know that's the that's the you know the source and not the story. But at the same time, like you could always go, ah, we need to see him like kill nine guys in the first eight minutes. And like, no, you see him like be boring and fuck something up, and then everything gets really tense for like a half an hour, and then he has to go on like a little, you know, sleuthing mission to figure things out. And you know that's that's a very unusual way to do this. Yeah. I know there were some complaints from other people that was, you know, there's not enough of him. And I could sort of see that, you know, you, you get the, the barest of bones in terms of like what this guy is like. He doesn't have a name. You know, he's he's basically trying to play like he has no emotions. Um, but I, I, I think it's fine. I think it's enough. Like. You, you can't spend too much time getting bogged down in this guy's personal life. They've, they've done this story a bunch. They've always had like the mysterious hitman who runs in his own universe. And we're all just sort of, you know, extras in his life story. Like they've, they've done that. It's, it's, it's hard to show an actual hitman because there's so few that really exist in the real world. So like there's always some sort of hyper exaggeration in them anyway, yeah. you know, like, they're showing you all this process 
that's that's fairly realistic but at the end of the day like he's almost superhuman he's not john wick but he's close you know so it's like uh how much of this guy's person i can just fill in the blanks on my own you know i i was reading something somewhere they were, they were talking about um you know the the whole idea of like the hollywood hitman kind of a thing and it's just like well you know in the real world and it's like no there are no people like this in the real world actual assassins are like this is an invention of you know of hollywood or whatever but like you know most people who kill people because they're paid are just sort of buffoons right it's more like fargo <laughs> right it's more like fargo or yahoos you know or if it's it's guys in the mafia you know there's there there are no ninjas that that moonlight as as assassin it's not it's it's that's not how this works right it's like uh or they're psychopaths you know like yeah we still like the people i know like about bounty bounty hunters like oh the bounty hunters like bounty hunters weren't a real thing (laughs) (laughs) you know it's like peg leg pirates i mean they're not (laughs) they're not real (laughs) so you know and so this 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 genre trope has been done so many times from you know, Keanu Reeves and Tom Cruise did one and all these other people. So it's like, uh, I can fill this backstory in. It's like, I don't have to watch Bruce Wayne's parents get murdered again. I can just figure it out what's going on. So I actually think that like, you know, speaking of Tom Cruise and, and Hitman, like collateral is a good movie because like, it's not about a very competent guy. Like, I don't love collateral, but like I, I can appreciate it. Like I, I should watch it again. I think Tom Cruise kind of eats that movie a bit, but like, um, you know, we're, we're we're not talking about a you know, like a super competent guy. He's just a, a, a crazy person. You know, he's just a lunatic. Yeah, I, I think what hurts this one more is not that there's not enough of him. There's, there's enough Michael Fassbender in his yeah. personality. It's the, it's not exactly clear how competent he's supposed to be. Because they say this is the first time this has ever happened. Yeah. But at the same time, like, he he just sort of shrugs it off. And even though he's messed up, they immediately try to murder him to cover their tracks. And I was like, I thought he was supposed to be really good at this. Yeah, I, I guess the thing that about it that I didn't really understand was... I mean, and I guess, I guess it's just covering their tracks. It's just like, so we're going to kill everyone that he knows to cover up the murder that he didn't commit. And why would that work? Like, you know, they go to his mansion, you know, in the jungle and they try to murder his girlfriend and are unsuccessful. I think they beat her up so they can get information on where he is. Sure. I think. I, I guess so. Because they don't seem to like wait for him there. Right. Like that does that seems to be unclear. Like they go to her, they they beat her up and they you know, they yeah, you know, really torture her. It's or at least they try to. It's not good. She's in a bad way when you you know, when when you meet her. And um, I guess they were trying to torture her, like you said, to like get out where he is. But like, uh, 
then they were also like, why would you go home? Like they were, they were all kind of, there was, there was, there was some confusion about what happens next. Right. And I think that's the part of the film where I'm like, uh, I guess now this is just a revenge mission. And so I have to go with it, but it really doesn't make a lot of sense because they question why he went home and found the girlfriend all beaten up. They didn't kill the girlfriend. They, they, they like left her alone or they, they, I don't know. They, they, she scared them away or whatever. I don't, you know. Yeah. Somehow she, they just, they like leave. They, they, they like yeah, get like, back into the cab and then they go away. Like they, the big guy gets stabbed in the leg. That was a thing that that both the cabbie and the the girl say. But um, you know the other girl, you know the the the, the Tilda Swinton character is fine. <laughs> they just run away from the girl at that. So it's very confusing. Yeah, I'm not sure, and like. I, I get that it doesn't really matter after a while because after a while you're just like, all right, whatever, we're killing these people. But in the beginning, I was definitely like, I, I don't understand what's going on here. <laughs> so, yeah, like the like is the, is he part of some giant cabal? Like, or is it just <laughs> him? I, I don't understand. Yeah. Um, what'd you think of the ending? That was that was fine. It's interesting, right? <sighs> well, what that he left that guy alive. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you're watching him so- talk about being a emotionless, detached killer, which is not what he really is. And every time he mentions his little mantra about what he's supposed to be doing and how he's supposed to feel, he's actually going against that, which is surprising to everybody else. Like they're all just like, I can't believe this. he's actually doing this. And they, you know, because everybody gives a speech before they get shot in the head. And, but by the time he gets to that guy, he has completely broken down the outer shell of himself, of this detached killer. And he lets him live. So by then I was like, yeah, that makes sense. That's the natural conclusion to what has been going on here. You know? Yeah. I didn't know if they were going to like, you know, do what they did with you know with the the with the Tilda Swinton character, which is that like you know he. I mean, I guess the whole thing about that is like he, he knows that she's going to try and kill him if, like, you know, she kind of pretends to slip and fall and says, "Help a girl up," and just shoots her in the head, and then realizes she has a knife and. That's the you know that's the, the their way of saying like hey you know she you know, she was not trustworthy that's why he he shot her in the head um and so yeah like I didn't know if they were gonna 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 go like the cheesy way and like have him do the same thing with the rich guy uh, and they and they, and they didn't they they completed the, it was a, there was the natural progression of the character which is to point out like. And that's why at the end he says, like, you could be one of the few or one of the many, like me. Like, I am not the person I have been describing this entire two hours. Right. I'm, I'm close, I'm, but I'm not quite the guy. I assume he kind of just, like, retires and, like, fades into the back. Like, that's his mission is just fade into the background. You know? Yeah. Because that's when, I mean, even when he was trying to 
to murder everybody in the beginning and like that the lawyer's secretary who's like please make it look like an accident so my kids can get my life insurance yeah and like you would expect him to not care about these things because that's what he says i don't care i don't i'm only in it for the job and the money and then at the end he snaps her neck but he pushes her down the stairs yeah so it looks like she fell and broke her neck yeah so you're like oh his actions don't just don't match what he's saying so he does have a little bit of empathy. Like he does care a little bit. So when oh, he yeah. meets that guy at the end, you know, the guy who literally had no idea what he was doing. I mean, I mean, that guy's no good either. He hired a hitman, but <laughs> but he was so detached and so removed. He was like the killer was like, there's no point in murdering this person because he really doesn't deserve anything. Which is why it's so unfortunate for the cabbie. Yeah. Because when he shoots the cabbie in the back of the head, that's out of anger. It's the first kill he does. And you can see his face where he like scowls and just shoots him, you know, because even the cabbie's like, I don't know those people. I don't want to know those people. <laughs> like, You can even just take my car. Like, I don't care. I didn't, I just was doing my job and he just shoots him anyway. Yeah. So it's a very subtle progression that you have to be paying attention to. But if you don't, you'd be even more bored, I think. Yeah, that's that's what elevates this from being a procedure thing where you fall asleep. Like I don't care about him covering up a camera. To oh, I see what they're doing here. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And I actually appreciated that stuff with where in the beginning he says like it's the 21st century. I can't help but be seen. Right. There's cameras everywhere. So especially in Europe. Yeah. Right. So like, what is it? that an assassin would have to do well how can i blend in as best i can like i can't hide the fact that i'm standing here but what can i do to make myself unmemorable right which was nice Can like compare that to like the last mission impossible movie where the camera was literally erasing the guy as he walks through the, through the airport <laughs> you know like that's a that's a mission impossible funny gizmo thing that only happens in fantasy world. Whereas this one, it's like, I'm just going to wear a trench coat and a hat and glasses and not talk. Yeah. You know, like, like whenever he interacts with people, he barely speaks because he doesn't want to give anyone any kind of impression of himself. <laughs> Although, did you catch the gag with his names? Yeah. <laughs> you know, like, that, was, that, that was, that that was fun. That was light. Uh, yeah. yeah. Not that, that felt that was like well don't do that everybody knows who archibald bunker is <laughs> yeah you know? yeah some of them were you know some of them were george a bit on the jefferson, nose like, yeah george jefferson like really <laughs> i mean i laughed but i was like uh, okay yeah i was and some of them I was, like i had to look up like, like one of them was like the captain of like the love boat or something like that like it was uh, oh yeah there were all these like old old 80s sitcom and, yeah. and story things yeah <laughs> That was funny. What do you think of the music? I do not care for the Smiths. Mm-hmm. I just don't. I don't care for them. I think they sound whiny and kind of annoying. And like, it's as if you played Irish step music really slowly. Mm. It's, yeah, it's not good. I, I don't recall much else besides like, oh, look, he's into yoga and the Smiths. So. Yeah. But like it was in his, he was using it in his ears, his headphones, and like it would cut in and out depending on what the camera was looking at. 
I mean, I like that. Um, what's uh, what's the, there's a very very fancy word for that. Yeah, they do it in the Guardians of the Galaxy. Guardians of the Galaxy, they did it in the Wire. Um, yeah. I just, I just found it just, yeah, I found it distracting this time because I kept going back and forth a lot. What is that? Uh, diegetic. Diegetic. Yeah, music or source music that is in the story versus yeah. non-diegetic. I don't know yeah. what. Why, why is that a word? Well, I mean, think of like Baby Driver, where it was extremely right. important. So the so. word diegetic means anything occurring within the context of the story, and able to be. I guess it is just is just music or just yeah, like whatever is happening. So. So dialogue, I guess, is diegetic. It's things that are, are happening inside the story. Mm-hmm. Um, one of my uh, favorite YouTube channels is a guy named Patrick H. Willems who does very long video essays about a lot of topics. And he did, I want to say, like a two-hour one on like needle drops in music. And mm, that's it was actually, <laughs> yeah, it, it was very long. But it was actually quite good because it really broke it down along those lines like you know what is a you know like there's different kinds of needle drops there's the ones that that you can hear that the actors can hear that the characters can hear and um there's ones that are period specific ones that are um anachronistic and uh you know it was it was a very interesting video but uh that's that's where what's where where i first heard first heard that, heard that term diegetic and i guess in that regard like it was less in your face and like it didn't like just play like bit you know like in baby driver where it sort of plays the whole time and like it's you can't escape it but those are all good songs and these were not so um, was, yeah these were not it was yeah, I fine mean, for it to be what it was yeah yeah they just sound like noise i mean i don't know <laughs> yeah but um anything else I mean, I I will say it's not a very like memorable film. Like I sat down earlier, I'm like, all right, we we have to talk about the killer, and like, yeah, I guess I remember the killer. It was just a few days ago. It's like today is Wednesday. I watched it on Friday, so I was like, yeah, like, and I enjoyed it, but I'm like, nothing is like sticking in the skull. Like it wasn't like you know excited to be like oh we got to talk about this movie it was so good like it was fine you know like but I, I also mean, enjoyed it when I was watching it and my memory of it is sort of like you know is a bit of a wet blanket by comparison. Well, I mean, some of that's by design. You're not supposed to remember it. You know, watching a man sit on a bench as he stakes out a hotel is not a memorable scene. Yeah. Um. There's only one real action scene in it, so it's not really an action movie. It's a thriller. Yeah. Um, and there isn't anything to hang your hat on story-wise, like emotion-wise, because they don't flesh out the character that much. They let you do the filling in. Yeah. You know, so like, uh, he doesn't even have a name. So it, it's not going to be a, one of those memorable kind of movies. Like, cause, I mean, that, that's part of the appeal. Yeah. I mean, I saw it yesterday, and I, I can remember it enough, 
but I'm not going to watch it again. <laughs> yeah, no, I, this is not like a like a, you know like a rewatchable film. Yeah, yeah. So, which is not to say it stunk. Like it was, it was right, good. No, it's good. I, I mean, just, as as things go on Netflix, like original Netflix productions, go see this movie. It is a you know a decent enough time to you know the thing to do for two hours. Mm. You know. Yeah, especially if you're going to watch The Gray Man. Like, don't watch Ooh. The Gray Man. <laughs> that was terrible. I mean, it, I don't know if it was... I don't know if it was terrible. It was, it was just, terrible. It was just so mediocre. Uh, at what point do we say, all right, we're going to cut our losses, and this is terrible? Hey, I've seen enough stuff I think it's terrible. Ask my yeah. friends. That's all they ever tell me. <laughs> I hate everything. <laughs> I don't, by the way. This was fine. We, we like this one. This one was okay. Yeah, this one was fine. You know, I mean, Netflix hasn't had a great track record with this stuff, so fine is pretty good. I was going to say, it's a bit of the dancing bear, but, you know, it could be worse. Yep. What was that? Sorry, my wife sent me something on my phone. But if uh, you're going to yawn in the middle of stuff, I'm just going to yeah. you know, get notifications <laughs> on my phone. I apologize for my yawning, which, of course, I'm going to do again uh, yeah. because we're talking about it. That's great. This is, this is really high-tech shit here. <laughs> <laughs> you know. yeah, but no, to be fair, I mean, I listen to other podcasts and they just like... They talk too fast. I was yeah. listening to one where, like, I almost was like yelling at them to slow down. You know, like, like they were doing like radio voice. I'm like, you don't have to do radio voice for this. Just talk like a normal human being. It's fine. I did listen to that um, episode of uh, the 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 rewatchables that you had on the other day, and I was, you know, I I, I oh, played that talk about Robin Hood. <laughs> What about Robin I Hood? Yeah, I really enjoyed that podcast. That was great. Yeah. I really enjoyed they, that movie. Right, I'm glad they did it because so many times where you and I are like, what should we talk about next? And like when we don't have anything, you're like, let's talk about Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves. And I'm like, no, let's not do that. Like, <laughs> I've only seen that movie a hundred times because you like that movie. And I like, do. I don't like that movie that much. So I'm like, I'm glad someone else talked about it on their podcast. But like, the, their thing, which I both appreciate and was overwhelmed by, was like the number of like categories that they have at the end. It's like a yes. hour and a half affair. The last half an hour is like, you know, who is the guy in the film that does this reference to another movie? You know, like the yeah. guy, who the guy who chews the scenery, but they don't call it that. They call it like the so and so award. I'm like, yeah, the the mark. See, when they first started that, the categories were quick. And they kept adding things to the categories. So they added like, one in that episode. The the, right. uh, the Alan Rickman, and, you know, and overacting. They, and they stick to it. So like the first one was the Mark Ruffalo overacting award because he was in um, Spotlight. And they and they used to play the clip where he was like screaming about how the the, the priests knew that they were being abusers but they didn't do anything and mark ruffles like they knew they knew yeah. then they started like adding other overacting people to it so now it like, takes them like five minutes to do the category just that one and then they add other categories so like you know they're they're clever but 
Yeah, you're right. They do take way too long. And the the best category they always save at the end, which is where they do the picky nits. Oh yeah, the, the, you know, the picky nits. Yeah. yeah, that's my favorite one. I spend too much time doing the uh, recasting couch. Yeah, which I don't like. No, I don't like at, that because it's at, just it's just too. You know, it's too much of a what if. Like, yeah, like it's 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 one thing to say that like okay, this guy's overacting, and I actually think that like if you're looking for overacting, you know, Mark Ruffalo in Spotlight is not the most overacting moment. Like, you know, he was good in that movie. That was a bit over the top, but like, you know, that was a slow burn that film, and then like you needed a moment where some guy has to yell at something. You know, it's yeah. There's there's better examples. Yeah. You know? It's like it's you're like you're not wrong. I'm just saying, right? Like you're not wrong. It's just like, really Alan Rickman in Robin Hood is a far better example of, of yeah. overacting. Which, which I'm glad they they mentioned in the in the beginning. Like the the beginning part is good where they just talk about the movie. So, yeah. so you know, if you're listening to us, you can also listen to them. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> they're good too. They're also good. Yeah. yeah. So, all right. So, all right. Well, if you guys have any thoughts about uh, the killer that you want to share with us, you can do so on X and Instagram at Three Drinks in Pod. You can talk to us on Facebook on Threads. You can email us at Three Drinks in Podcast at gmail dot com. You can buy our merchandise over at Tee Public. Subscribe to the podcasts wherever you listen. Leave ratings and reviews. Anything else? Uh, no, that's it. No, that's it. All right. As always, please drink responsibly, and we'll talk to you all next time. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye.